Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clear Path Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community. We love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, We're a community trying to be led by the Spirit, just walking through Scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon. There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned, and thanks for joining. So Lord, we just pray that you would help us see you rightly, to see ourselves in light of seeing you rightly. And we do, we just pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation to always be present here. We bless you, Lord. Everyone just say this, I receive all that you have for me. Amen. Give these guys a hand. A little bit of a theme going on this morning. Jordan shared about recognizing that you're on a journey. Zane shared about being reminded of what God says over us while recognizing that we're still on a journey of growing into his image. How many of you are on a journey? How many of you looked at this this week? This writing, calling, or call? I wrote this. I don't know. (laughs) The calling, writing project. How many of you looked at it? How many of you actually like wrote something this week? I know there's a number of you. Oh, there's a few of you here. Um, if you weren't here this last week, we started this thing called the, the Calling Writing Project. I won't give you the full explanation. If you want to go listen through last week, you can. Also, there's lots of, there are little videos connected with QR codes and writing in here to help you see what the point of this is. But our hope is, as a community, to be raising up people who understand who God has called them to be. Um, there's much language around this in our culture, which has left people disillusioned. You know, that it's about identifying something vocationally, or that it's about um, just figuring out who you want to be that you're not. And I think that everybody worships best when we just, we do what God has for us. And so this, this is hopefully a way for you to connect with God speaking over your life in this capacity. And so please take this. They're $12 to cover our cost. Um, and uh, we, would, we would like to, but we, if you can't pay for that, don't worry about it. Just take it. This, I wrote this this, this year, um, but I, or this last year, the end of the year, but it's been many years I've been praying about this thing. A number of years ago, we transitioned, as, as you guys know, our church from this Sunday morning gathering to having these house churches on on Sunday morning. And our hope was to use these, to take these communities to gather people together and also to go out and engage people with the gospel and engage people with prayer. And so we had initially envisioned all these things that we would do and very quickly that schedule was not being executed upon um, because it was not feasible for people's lives. 
And the Lord spoke to me something very clearly. He said, you're, you know, I've called you into something new, but you're trying to engineer the whole Christian life for people as a leader. And you're going to fail at that. So you need to abandon that and follow me. And, um, and so over the years, there's something that has brewed in me that I've, I desire for people to know who God has called them to be. And I believe that when we know who God has called us to be, that it will, it will release us into a pursuit of him and a pursuit of what is good and true in this life. Um, but I want to make a distinction for you before, as, as you are writing, um, is that God's calling, God's calling of you precedes your response to this calling. Like God's, God's goodness, his voice precedes your response. In, in all of the major callings in scripture, we look at, you know, Samuel calling David, we look at Moses, and we look at um, all of them. Um, the voice of God is the thing that precedes every response and every journey. And I just want you to know this, that any transformational journey in God starts with him. It, it is, it's his love that draws us. It's his calling, his defining who we are that will change us. And so your fidelity to God, your ability to follow what is good and true, let me just tell you, will not sustain you. It will not sustain you. It is his faithfulness that sustains you. Amen? Yep. His faithfulness is what sustains you. And so, as you're digging into this, you need to understand that it's His faithfulness. And if you're ever lost in the Christian life, I know this is a very simple thing, but I find myself often lost. And if you're ever lost, if you just return to recognizing that it's His faithfulness that will sustain you and not yours, it will recalibrate you. Very simple. Um, I, I shared the story, but a couple years ago, I was, I was talking to the Lord, and I could not get out of worry or fear of this particular issue. And I'm sitting there, and how many of you have ever had this going on? I'm like a two-hour script. I'm praying. I'm telling God. I am feeling this anxiety and fear and worry over this specific decision and issue in my life. And I just tell the Lord out loud, I say, God, you have to give me a worldview where I trust you. And immediately I hear the, the Holy Spirit answer. He says, or the Father answer, and he says, he says, I will not give you a worldview, but I have given you my spirit. I will not give you a worldview, but I have given you my spirit. And what I've, what I've found is that God gives us the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus said will lead us into all truth. You cannot trick your mind to recognize that it's God's faithfulness to lead you. It is only by the Holy Spirit that you will depend on God. And so Jesus is telling me this really, like, funny, redundant thing that, like, yes, I have to depend on God to depend on God. And, and so I just want to encourage you... Um, Wherever you're going in this journey, as Jordan talked about, 
It's God himself who must reveal the truth. He is the revealer. We're not, it's not just that we uh, gain information about him. It's that he reveals himself to us. So Colossians 2.3 says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, if you want to know where God has hidden all things to be revealed, they are hidden in Jesus, who is at the beginning and the end of our call. Amen? So, um, at the beginning of the year, the Lord takes me personally through a time of reflection and realigning. And actually, for the last seven to eight years, it happens for me at the beginning of November. I don't even plan a thing. It's not like I sit down and go, all right, I need to have my reflection time. I, at the beginning of the November, it's like instantly my brain starts clicking in, or my, I don't know, I start praying and asking the Lord, what, do you, what have you been doing this year? What are you, what are you going to continue to do? And I just, that's, that's what happens to me. This is a process. And so we as a team write these plans uh, every year uh, to try to respond to pastorally what we believe that God is leading us into. And this year, we wrote those plans in the form of prayers that we believe we're supposed to partner with. If you need a helpful framework to think about what life in God is like, just think about it like this. There are prayers that we're praying, and if we can figure out what God's inviting us to pray into and partner with that, we will see great fruitfulness. And so we just, we just ask the Lord, what, it, what are you asking us to pray into? How are we partnering that? And we write plans based on that so we can be accountable to what he's doing in this community. And I want to read to you, I'm actually publish. I had three prayers, but I want to read to you the first one. It's very simple. The prayer is, Lord, help me to lead our community to seek you. How many get on board with that one? Lord, help me to lead our community to seek you. How many of you want to seek the Lord? And, and so as I was examining the prayers that, I pray, that I've prayed this year, the Lord highlighted... Uh, a simple verse to me that we've read many times and we didn't actually come at the at our vision Sunday we didn't come and announce a theme but I'm going to announce a theme to you right now because the Lord reminded me of this that he had talked to me about this and it's the verse from Matthew 633 uh, that I believe is a verse he's saying to us this year as a community that we would seek first his kingdom that we would seek first his kingdom and so I just, I believe that God is calling us to seek first the kingdom. And so I want to kick off that stream of thought by preaching on the scripture this morning. And I want to share with you the main point of the sermon before I preach, before I preach. And I know we're a little late, so I'll try to be somewhat fast in this. But the beginning of the, the beginning of this uh, the, the main point of this sermon is, therefore, do not worry, 
Seek first the kingdom. So everyone say, do not worry. Do not worry. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. So I love getting to come to pre-service prayer. Um, Susanna and Jeremy, they may be in the back, but they're always back there leading pre-service prayer. And Susanna has come up with this term that she uses that I now use and many other people use. She talks about these exchanges that God gives. How many of you have heard Susanna talk about exchanges? And so this has come into my language, this, this term uh, exchanges. And I want, I, it's actually all through scripture, there are these exchanges where we give something, we give up, we give our lives up to God, and he gives us his life. That's actually when we first started teaching our kids, um, you know, about the gospel when they were really young. We, we talked about how we give up all our bad things and our good things, and we get God's good things. And so there, there are exchanges, and I want you to see the exchange um, that's here. It's therefore, do not worry, but seek first. So I'm going to read the scripture. It says, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For you, your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day for its own troubles. Okay, let's say it again together. Do not worry. Do not worry. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. So this really cheesy old preaching phrase that I've heard people say, you'll, you'll have to forgive me for this cheesiness, but the, the phrase is, if there's a therefore in Scripture, you have to figure out what it's there for. And so, there you go. Uh, yes. I want to start with the therefore. So, Jesus gives these observations to his followers and those listening about grass and flowers and birds. And he's painting this picture of God's provision. But we have to go back up to verse 24 to see what he's focused on, what he's trying to illustrate to them. In Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. For you either hate one, the one, and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. How many of you like this verse? I, uh, I'll be honest with you. This is in the top handful of scriptures that has had me think deeply, question my own assumptions, um, for probably a decade, I have really struggled in prayer over wanting to see the Lord rightly 
with the issue of money and wanting to be obedient to him rightly. Um, those of you who don't know my story, I've had a very, I've had a range of experiences with, with, there are some that have more, but I've had a range of experiences with this matter of money. I, I grew up in a home where my dad was, God, and God really providentially led him down this path. My dad was uh, built a successful business. And, and they were, we didn't go like crazy, they didn't get us everything we wanted, but I, we never had a sense of lack or that there wouldn't be enough. And so it kind of like framed the world in this particular way. And as an adult, God had been, He's been extremely gracious to our family. We've always had enough. We've always been blessed. But we've had more limits than I had growing up. If this makes sense. And in addition to that, the Lord has given us the grace to be able to share fellowship with people with nothing Mm -hmm. and people with empires of wealth. And I don't know. There's just been many times that in the processing of watching people go without literal food and see people who have the wealth to buy 60 private jets. I don't know, like, there's something that's always bothered me about this thing. And it's a, it's a, it's a struggle. How many of you struggle and have, have, you have some struggles in your life around the issue of money? I, I found that people who are, who are, uh, when you're when you're in limit, you worry about will you have enough to meet the end of, the end of this month's paycheck, like I. But I've listened to people who have a ton of money who are like, oh my gosh, I just made a bunch of money, and I'm going to have to pay a bunch of taxes, <laughs> and it's a very convenient worry, and but it seems as though. This is an important issue in the kingdom. That Jesus would contrast. You cannot serve God and money. He would make that the contrasting element to serving him. It's, it's my, so my son asked me this question like a week ago. He said, Dad, why do we have to have money? Why can't we just like have things? <laughs> I've never had one of these conversations before. And it's, it's kind of a complicated conversation. It usually just ends up with, sorry, son. My best explanation is it's there and it's staying there. One time I met a guy who, on this, I was on this uh, boat, and this guy would help uh, work on this sailboat in exchange for sleeping on the sailboat at night. And then he would fish in the ocean, and he would trade his fish for, for clothing. And, like, this guy had, I was, like, listening to him. I was, like, he has made an incredible amount of effort to not ever actually have to exchange money. But ultimately, as we kept asking questions, he did have to have money at times. And he did, and he was doing an incredible amount of work to develop some form of currency. And so, it's just this thing that this, this is a reality that we live in that we cannot escape money. And how many of you worry about money? I'm going to be honest with you. I worry about money. And, but it's not a reality that thus far we, anyone has figured out how to escape. I'm not saying it'll never happen. But Jesus nonetheless calls us 
not to serve this master, but to serve him. And so there has to be a deeper reflection upon what this means that you cannot serve God and money. And so I want to encourage you, I'm going to keep, not going to focus on this the whole time. I want to encourage you to let this scripture bother you. Like, don't just think you've got it figured out. Don't like jump like, I could give you my conclusion. But when Jesus is contrasting something to serving him, I mean, you think there's, this is some important, there's some important truth here for us to learn. And so I encourage you to let this scripture bother you. And sometimes God... God wants us to be bothered. So, okay, where are, where am I in my notes? So, after making this statement, Jesus then uses observations of the created world that he, before the scientific method is outlined, he gives us observations of the created world and he invites the disciples to notice and begins to talk to them about two different economic realities. And so I want you to see, I want you to put yourself in, in the mind of a disciple and see what Jesus is calling them to notice. He says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father needs them. You are, or feeds them, sorry. You, you for, are you not more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They grow, they neither, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, and let and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. There's the therefore. And so Jesus points the disciples to notice how God's economy, his stewardship of resources in the created world is both generous and generative. Now, like, this word generative stood out to me this week as we were in prayer. Um, generous is like, I'm willing to give you, if I have $100, I'm willing to give you my $100 because I want you to flourish. But generative is something that within it actually has the ability to replenish, to re recreate, and to flourish. And so God has not just made nature or his reality something that it's like he gives and then there's like a finite amount of giving that can be done. He's actually created a world that replenishes, that restores, that revitalizes, that continues to give life because God's economy is not just generous, it's generative. Are you with me? Yeah. It's, it's something more. It's, it's that birds don't sow, yet they are fed. It's lilies don't toil and spin, yet they are clothed. I, I want you to see, there's a key here that I, observation that I want to get us to take away from, though, is that the, in the very last section, 
he is saying that his father is the one who clothes the grass. He does not just say that the grass goes through its process and it's clothed. He says that his father is the one who clothes them. And so we are not supposed to see God as separate from the affairs of our lives and nature, the story of creation. There's a, sometimes we get this view about our lives and the way that God works in the world that he is like a clockmaker who winds up the clock and then that the clock just kind of works. But God is more than that. He is one who is, who is present and involved in every detail and aspect of our lives. He is like, he is working within every detail. I, I don't have time to drill further on this, but, this, but I believe that scripture is pointing us to see that God is caring for every part of the created world. And so he paints a picture, Jesus is painting a picture to his followers in this moment that he is an active provider, sustainer, and supplier. And in all this, he says, therefore, do not worry. And so here is the faith exchange that we get. The faith exchange to being a servant of God and not a servant of, of money or like the earth's, or our way of looking at resources, is that we do not worry. We do not worry about what we are going to need. We do not worry. Worry, let me say it to you a different way, worry, especially about money, is the evidence that unbelief still remains in us. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look, how much more will he not clothe you? You have little faith. Therefore, do not worry. So, about a year ago, the Lord highlighted this verse to me that comes from the parable of the soils. How many of you remember the parable of the soils? You have a farmer sowing seed on a path, and that, um, it doesn't, you know, grow up. You have shallow soil, that is like the one who receives the word with faith, and but it dies out quickly. Then you have the last one is the one that's abundant and fruitful. But the third one is the one the Lord was highlighting to me. Because I think it's where a lot of us live. Uh, you know, is that the third soil has thorns. And as the seed grows up, the thorns ch choke out the fruitfulness of the word. And... And so I want to read to you this verse. It says, Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things, the desire for other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So the Lord highlighted this verse to me, and he had me pray this prayer daily. And I'm, I'm inviting you into this. I haven't been praying it daily. I've been praying it more like weekly at this point. But the Lord invited me to this. I started praying this prayer. God, please remove the thorns in my life that I may bear fruit. Please remove the thorns in my life that I may, be, that I may bear fruit. What are the thorns? 
the cares, the deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of this life, it's, it's worries. It's, it's us worrying about our own provision. And it's the thing that Jesus is contrasting as the key to you seeking him first. It's the, it's the thing in this parable that he comes back to again, and he says, if you, if you let these thorns fill your life, that it will choke out your fruitfulness. And so I pray this prayer, I'm giving this to you, Lord, remove the thorns in my life that I may bear fruit. Here's what I want to tell you about, about that, is that sometimes God removing thorns is painful. Sometimes him removing thorns in our life is painful. It's not always that the way you, you get realigned with the Lord is by looking yourself in the mirror and telling yourself you got it and speaking some good things over yourself. Like sometimes the removal of thorns is often acknowledging our weakness, acknowledging our imperfections, acknowledging the brokenness in us, and letting God speak to those things with his truth. I'll tell you something else I've noticed about the Lord removing these thorns. Is that there's been a lot of Christian teaching in the last two or three decades and psychology that's more focused on getting you to feel okay about yourself than actually transforming you. There's, there's a lot of teaching that can get you to feel okay about yourself in an expedient way. Expedient way. <laughs> like, man, I feel bad. I don't want to feel bad. And sometimes the Lord is wanting to remove things from us that actually bear negative, bear bad fruit in us. Right. Or that choke out fruitfulness. It can feel very cathartic, right? How many of you have had that feeling of like, you get this like little thought in your brain, you move past that, that bad feeling. But what God is wanting to do is not just move you out of a negative headspace. He's wanting to heal and restore your soul and cause you to bear fruit. And so, like, when we, when we seek the Lord, the exchange that we make is our clinging to worry. And when we, when we let go of this and we say, God, I will, he will then give us a heart to seek him. But you can't take the thorns out of your life. You can't take the worries out of your life. I'm telling you, I prayed and argued with the Lord for two hours. And the ending point, I guess he wanted me to see something. I'm like, Lord, you've got to give me a worldview when I trust you. And he reminded me that he has already given me the Holy Spirit who will lead me into all truth. So you know what do not worry does not mean? Do not worry does not mean you will feel no pain in life. In fact, Jesus promises us that we will have sufferings and trials. Do you know what do not worry means? Does not mean? It does not mean that the that the that the money rains are just going to flow on you every day. If you find the money tree that we're all looking for, let me know. I'll show up and pick from the money tree with you. But it does not, do not worry, does not mean that every day is easy. 
Do not worry is exchanging the cares, the deceitfulness of riches, and the other desires of this world, and saying, God, these things actually have great power and sway over me. I'm exchanging all these things that occupy my mind, and I'm going to receive from you a heart to seek first your kingdom. And even, he, he's, he knows how much we struggle with this, so he's, he even says it. He's like, how many of you, when you were worrying, did you even add one hour to your life? How many of you have done the worrying, thinking like, you know, I've been in those like big mazes, like they've got them at like kind of tourist destination point. We're trying to get through the maze and get to all the things as fast. It's like we think that if we worry, we're going to find our way through the maze. If I worry enough, then, I will, then I'll get there eventually. I had an investor one time tell me that, on, that in investing, only the paranoid survive. And I think that sometimes people, we live this way. We live believing that with worry, we can add. And when you worry, when you have your mind fixated on these other cares, what you're doing is you're exchanging seek first for living within your own framework. So, imagine like this. We hold, we hold worry. Everybody hold your worry in your hands. We hold worry. And God, God holds the grace to cause us to seek first. And I believe that I'm going to pray. I'm actually going to pray in a minute that we're going to exchange worry. And especially worry about the things of this life. And, and ask God to give us what he gives us, which is the heart to seek his kingdom. I believe that much of what people, I, I want to come back to this call, the calling thing actually for a moment. We wrote this, partly I, the reason I wrote this is that I believe that when I listen to people talk about who they call or called to believe, be, a lot of times much of what people describe to me sound much more like thorns and worries of this life than what God has for them. Hard word. It's, it's like a modern expression of, you know, the old Disney, when you wish upon a star. And I believe that God wants us to concede the worries and take in the call to seek first the kingdom of God. But the faith expression, God will give you the heart to seek first. The faith expression to seek first the kingdom of God is simply by letting go of your worries that are consumed in this life. You, you don't have to muster up the desire. You don't have to figure out how to pray better tomorrow. The, Jesus says, therefore, do not worry. And so I, I just want to encourage you. I've been praying for our church to have great faith. If you want to have, if you want to act in faith on what Jesus said, I want us to give our worries to Him today. And it's amazing to me because the way that Jesus convinces His disciples towards the better portion of seeking first the kingdom 
is by calling them to notice how he's already been giving them all the other things. Like, he's already made provision. He's like, look at the lilies, look at the birds, look at the grass. I'm already providing these things. He actually uses all the other things that he's going to add as the convincing that he is good enough to, to care for them. If you will just seek me, I will care for you. And I, I believe it's because God always makes the first move. Like, we are responders. He is the initiator. He is the pursuer. It's based on his revelation that we know and based on his, in his work that we partner with. He proves his love to us and then invites us to respond. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have us kind of finish this time in prayer, um, letting go of our worries, our cares of this life, that we may take, that we may receive from him a heart to seek him first. And I just want to ask by show of hands, how many of you feel occupied, at least like weekly, maybe daily, you feel occupied by the worries and cares of this life? Raise your hand. This might be just, maybe it's just all of us. I don't know. But you feel particularly occupied by these things. I want to encourage you that the Lord is leading us in faith beyond those worries. I believe that this is a key to unlocking faith in this community. That we have to recognize that these endless worryings are competing against the true and better portion of being his alone. And we can, now that we just notice it, we notice it that Jesus is contrasting being focused on these things with seeking first his kingdom. We can make that exchange by faith and not worry. And so I just want to have you stand if you feel at times consumed by worry. The Lord did a healing in my heart when we went on a sabbatical, I don't know how many years ago now, maybe five, six years ago. Um, I had perpetual um, frustration, anxiety about my life. I, I did not ever feel satisfied or okay. I always, and when I say always, I always had this note in my life for a number of years that I did, that I just, I couldn't get beyond this disappointment that just, that just resonated in me. It was a constant worry. And I sat there with the Lord. Um, I read this poem. And in the poem it said, it said that pain is this thing that you, you don't even remember when it ever entered or if it never was before. Um, and I heard the Lord say, but you'll know the day that I died. I stood there in a public place by a pool, handing my pain to the Lord. Like I had a little cup in my hand. There were people around me watching me do this thing. <laughs> and I promise you, I'm not saying it happens this way every time, but I promise you, the Lord instantly took every bit of pain from me, and it has not come back. It's been, two th it's been five years. What was perpetual for at least three or four years never returned to me because of one exchange. And I could tell you that what that was connected to 
was that I was worrying about the cares of this life. I did not think I was successful enough. I did not think I was significant enough. I did not think I mattered. And all of those things have nothing to do with seeking first the kingdom. They have everything to do with me preserving and hoarding all the things I think God wanted to give to me. The kingdom is not a hoarding kingdom. It is a generative kingdom where God continues to supply every need if we will just trust him. And he, he won't give you a worldview, but he will give you his spirit to heal this place. And I, I just believe this by faith, that if we will exchange the worries and the cares of this life, we will receive the heart for the better portion of his kingdom. And it will change everything else. So I don't know what to tell you. I'm just going to pray. And I'm going I'm to draw us into a moment of silence. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that we will be a people of faith. A people, 1 Corinthians 2 described as a spiritual people. And I pray that we would let go of the cares of this life, the worries of this world, we would let these go by faith and exchange for that. I pray that the heart to seek first your kingdom will come upon this place so powerfully that it will reshape history, God. I pray that you would find a people who have received a heart to seek first your kingdom and who have let go with the calculating, the hoarding, and the worrying of this life. Lord, I pray that you would disrupt people and heal people to their core. Yeah, yeah. God, I pray that you would, you would bring exchange right now in Jesus' name. And so I just want to encourage you. I'm not going to lead you in prayer. Sometimes God asks for a physical act like me handing. I want you, whatever you need to do right now, personally, to hand these worries to the Lord. I want you just to hand the worries to the Lord and receive a heart to seek first his kingdom. I pray the spirit of greed and the spirit of worry over finances would be broken off of people this morning. God, we thank you that you're a God of great exchanges. Thank you that you're a God who gives your grace. And we come to you exactly where we are, God. Pray that you would make your provision um, abundant to us, that we would see its abundance, God. God, I pray for every worry or care of this life that is that has become thorns over people, Lord. I pray for those um, that are worried about their significance, that are worried about their money, that are worried about um, their image, God, whatever it is. Pray that you would you would allow us to bring those things before you and receive the grace of your nourishment, that we may bear abundant fruit, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your grace. And we thank you for your love. enjoyed this episode from Clearpath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning, 
or to subscribe to our newsletter, check us out at www.clearpathdallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at ClearPathDallas. Thanks for listening. Oh.